Uh, good morning, Freedom Village Church family. Great to be with you as always, and uh, so grateful uh, to be back teaching here um, after a little break. I don't know, it's been a month or so. I'm just really excited uh, to be back here with you all sharing God's word. Uh, well, this morning, uh, we're going to be wrapping up our sermon series uh, where we have been just the entire uh, duration of the summer studying through the book of Proverbs. Uh, and, e- uh, and even though each week uh, we have centered on a, a different topic, a different proverb, um, ultimately what we keep coming back to is this idea uh, that you and I are in great need of wisdom. We need wisdom That in this life, uh, there are so many questions we have to answer, so many different choices that we need to make. Uh, And if we're going to navigate all of this well, if we want to experience a life uh, full of joy, uh, if we want to find true meaning and purpose for our lives, we need wisdom. We need wisdom. And of course, uh, what we need is not uh, wisdom as the world sees it. We need godly wisdom. Wisdom that is rooted in having a fear of the Lord. It's wisdom uh, that has a proper view of who God is and who we are. And and letting that understanding of uh, of who he is uh, help us to make gospel-centered, Christ-honoring decisions for our lives. Well, in light of that, uh, today uh, we wrap up our series uh, focusing on uh, what many scholars uh, consider to be the most important or the key verse in all of the book of Proverbs. And it's all about the heart. It focuses on the heart. And actually, if you look through the Proverbs, and maybe uh, you noticed this as you read through uh, the book of Proverbs this summer, our, our congregation I was given a challenge to read a proverb a day, uh, Monday through Friday, except for Saturday, uh, to get through the book of Proverbs this summer. But as you're reading through the book, uh, maybe you notice that uh, King Solomon refers to the heart quite a bit, a a lot. The heart is actually referenced uh, over 79 times, actually, in in the book of Proverbs. And so it's safe for me to say, it's a safe assumption uh, to say that Solomon cares a lot about our hearts. And here's why. Here's why. And this statement is actually going to serve as our bottom line today, and we're going to spend the rest of our time unpacking this statement. But this is why Solomon cares about the heart, because God wants you and I to take the path of wisdom. He doesn't want us to go the path of the fool. He wants us to go the path of wisdom. And the primary indicator of which path we are on is the position or the posture of our hearts. God so deeply cares about the condition of our hearts. And we know this, not just from Solomon and Proverbs. We actually see this all throughout the scriptures. Look with me at First Samuel chapter 16. It says this in verse 7. But the Lord said to Samuel, Do not look at his appearance or at the height of his stature, because I have rejected him. For God sees not as man sees. For man looks at the outward appearance, but the Lord looks at the heart. Or in Jeremiah 17, verse 9 through 10, says this, The heart is more deceitful than all else and is desperately sick. Who can understand it? I, the Lord, search the heart. I test the mind 
even to give to each man according to his ways, according to the results of his deeds. And so what's, what's the point here? What's, what's the point? Well, what we see here is simply this, that God is looking at our hearts. He searches the heart. God is looking at the inner person. And, and why? Why? Uh, because the issue of life or the issues of life, um, our actions, our, our deeds, our works, our pursuits, everything, every single thing comes from the heart. Which means that truly, truly, how we live outwardly is determined by who we are inwardly. Our hearts, then, they are central, central to who we are. And that's why uh, the famous Puritan, John Flavel, he once said this. He says, the greatest difficulty in conversion, that is, uh, coming to faith and trust in Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior, he says, the greatest difficulty in conversion is to win the heart to God. But listen, and the greatest difficulty after conversion is to keep the heart with God. The posture of our hearts is so important. And so that's going to be our focus for today. So let me read our main passage Uh, our scripture for this morning. I'm actually going to read it from two different translations, and then again, we're going to spend the rest of our time together uh, looking at this verse um, and the issue of our hearts. This comes from Proverbs chapter 4, verse 23. This is going to serve as our main text today. The SV version says, keep your heart with all vigilance, for from it flow the springs of life. I think the NIV version is helpful as well. It says this, above all else, Guard your heart, for everything you do flows from it. Above all else, guard your heart, for everything you do flows from it. Well, uh, the first question I want to discuss today, we have three questions today, but the first one I want to discuss today is a simple but a crucial one, and that is simply this, what is the heart? Um, We can't know what to do with the heart until we know what the heart is. So what is the heart? What is the heart? Again, I mentioned this just a minute ago, but Solomon refers to the heart again and again. He refers to the heart quite a bit. And I just want to take the time to look at some of the, uh, the ways that he uses the word heart uh, throughout his writings. I won't go through the other 78 of them, uh, but I'll just look at at least six. And so let's look at what Solomon says about the heart or how he refers to the heart. In chapter 3, verse 1, he says, My son, do not forget my teaching, but let your heart keep my commandments. And then verse 5, trust in the Lord with all your heart and do not lean on your own understanding. And we know that uh, Pastor Kerry shared about all of that a few weeks ago. Earlier in chapter 4, he says this, Let your heart hold fast to my words. Keep my commandments and live. How about in chapter 10? says, the wise of heart will receive commandments, but a babbling fool will come to ruin. Chapter 16, the heart of man plans his way, but the Lord establishes his steps. And then Proverbs 27, 19, and we're going to look at this a little bit more in a minute, but it says, as in water, face reflects face, so the heart of man reflects man. I know that's quite a lot to take in, and we could have broken down every single one of those verses, but I just wanted us to get uh, even a small taste of how the term heart is used by Solomon. 
And I hope that you can get a sense here just by looking at these scriptures that the heart is pretty essential. It's pretty key to our our living. But not only that, I want us to understand that there is quite a contrast, quite a contrast between how the Bible uses the term heart versus how we tend to think about the heart uh, in our world. You see, today in our world, when we typically think about the heart, uh, we tend to think about our emotions. We tend to think uh, the heart refers to our affections. Uh, For example, uh, it's common to hear or use phrases in our society like this, um, follow, just follow your heart. What's what's your heart telling you to do? Where's your heart telling you to go? Just follow your heart. Or another way to say that is, listen to your heart. There's even a song that's that, right? I won't sing it. I'm not a good singer, but, you know, listen to your heart. Right? Or another way to say that is, just go with your heart. Just go with your heart. Uh, or sometimes we say, go with your gut, but go with your heart. And basically what that means is, uh, it's just saying this, that you should just do whatever you feel. You should just do whatever you feel is right in your heart, in your emotions, Where do you want to go? What do you want to do? Just do that very thing. And what's really interesting to me, if you study this, is that uh, this way of thinking is that most sociologists uh, actually uh, trace this way of thinking back to the Greek understanding uh, of the body and the soul. Uh, Maybe you learned this in school. uh, Maybe not, but I guess you'll learn it now. (laughs) Uh, But but the Greeks um, actually believed Uh, they taught that the body of a person was the seat of their emotions and that the soul was the seat of their intellect. And so for that reason, uh, what they taught, even philosophically, was that in life, we often have to choose between the body and the soul. We have to choose between the two. So the question is, do you go with your head or do you go with the heart? But the Bible has a much different understanding of the heart. Because biblically, the heart represents all of you. It represents all of you. It's the source of your whole being, your whole life, your emotions, your thinking, uh, your convictions, and your actions. And that's why Solomon tells us here in Proverbs 4, from it, from the heart, flows, flows the springs of life. In other words, the heart is the essence, the essence of who you are, your passions, everything about you, your affections. And on top of that, uh, the heart actually reflects, it reflects like a mirror, it reflects who you are. Again, we, we read that in Proverbs 27, 19. Let's look at that verse again. It says, as in water, face reflects face, so the heart of man reflects man. Again, this is so important uh, for us to grasp that your heart, your heart, all of our hearts, your heart represents who you are. And not to to keep quoting Puritans um, this morning, but I'm going to, uh, because they have oftentimes a lot of good things to say. But another one of them, his name is John Bunyan. He had this to say uh, when thinking about the heart. He said this, everything in life is linked to the heart. The mind is the eye of the heart. Our conscience is the judge of the heart. Our memory is the register of the heart. Our affections or emotions are the hands and arms of the heart. And our will is the foot of the heart. Or you could just 
say it this way or summarize all of that this way. Uh, your heart, again, your heart is the totality of who you are. Your whole person. And, and because the heart is this essential, uh, it shouldn't surprise us that even Jesus himself uh, addresses the heart. Hear these words in Luke chapter 6, verse 45. Jesus says this, The good person, out of the good treasure of his heart, produces good. And the evil person, out of, the, out of his evil treasure, produces evil. For out of the, listen, abundance of the heart, his mouth speaks. What Jesus is saying here is exactly what we saw in uh, the first Samuel and Jeremiah passage, uh, passage that we just read a little bit earlier. And that is that life does not flow. Life does not flow from the outside in. But it flows from the inside out. Or another way to say that, what, again, what is ultimately inside of you, what's in your heart, is ultimately what will come out of you. So listen, uh, if your heart is full of the self, if it's all about you, then the self will be what flows out of you. If your heart is full of anger, guess what's going to come out of you? Anger. Bitterness, anxiety, fear. It doesn't matter what it is. Whatever is inside of you, whatever in your heart, will always come out of you. You know, and if we're honest with ourselves, uh, we're really good, actually. We're really good at deceiving ourselves when it comes to the position of our hearts. You see, we, we tend to think uh, that who we are, who we are, is the best version of ourselves. So when things are going really well, for example, when life is good, right? When you're well-fed, well-rested, uh, you get that job promotion, right? All is going well with you. All is going right, seemingly. And then your heart, right? Of course, your heart is in a good place. It's patient. It's kind. It's loving. It's understanding. And we actually, we can be deceived into thinking that that's actually who we are. That's the position of our hearts. That's the posture of our heart. But the hard truth for us this morning is this, that the real you, the real you is actually manifested when life isn't going well. That reveals your true self. And God tends to work this way, doesn't he? He tends, and often, oftentimes, he tends to bring things into our lives uh, to reveal to us what's inside of us. And isn't that so relevant for today in the circumstance and situation that we face? How do you uh, typically respond when you're hungry, for example, or when you're angry, when you're feeling lonely, or when you're tired? Maybe you feel underappreciated or under pressure. When life isn't going well or life isn't going the way that you planned, Maybe a global pandemic sets in and it's going on a lot longer than you expected it to go. Um, you might have thought it was over and here we go again, it's back. How do you respond to those things? Uh, do you make excuses for yourself? Maybe you say things like, well, you don't understand. I just have a, a bad temper. That's who I am. You know, I get it from my dad. <laughs> That's who I am. It's his fault. Right? Or, um, sorry, I was short with you. I was just really hungry. Have you ever heard that one? <laughs> I was just tired. Sorry. You know, we make excuses for ourselves. Or how about this? 
Um, you hear this one too. Well, uh, that's just who I am. It's just my personality. Right? We do this, right? Uh, so often we minimize and shift the blame uh, away from our hearts. But Jesus said, if good is in your heart, if good is in your heart, good will always come out of your heart. And how you speak, how you respond in life, particularly in times of trial and trouble, it's always a reflection of your heart. And so now maybe we can understand why Solomon, he's, again, the context here, if you remember, you've been reminded many times throughout the summer, but he's speaking to his son here. Solomon's speaking to his son here. This is the wisest man who ever lived. And he says this to his son, above all else, above all else, don't take that lightly. Other translations say with diligence, right? with eagerness, determination, above all else, guard or keep your heart. Watch over it, he says. And have you ever thought about that? Have you ever really, really taken the time to reflect on, on this idea? Like, did you ever, did you even know, did you know uh, you were supposed to guard your heart? How many of you uh, even thought about your heart this week? Like you woke up this morning, you went throughout your day, and you're like, I wonder how my heart's doing. How many of us have actually thought that? You know, we try to protect so much of our lives, don't we? Have you thought about this? It's just a society that we live in. We, we try to protect and guard everything in and around us. Our house, right? We, that's why we lock it up with keypads and the window. Our car, right? It's wireless. We make sure it's all safe. You know, we put cameras on it to make sure that no one bumps it, Right? Our bank accounts, right? That's why we go with reliable banks and make sure, you know, some of you check your bank account weekly, making sure everything's in order, right? We, we guard and protect our kids, right? Our health, some, some of us are so concerned always about our health. Well, I'm just a little bit off, and so we run to the doctor, and we gotta make sure we're right and safe and sound, right? We guard our own lives always to make sure that they're safe. And of course we do, it's how we're wired. But Solomon says, above all else, Above everything else, do not neglect your heart. Guard it. Consider your heart. Be alert over it. So the question, it's a simple one this morning, but I think a deep one and a convicting one, is how have you been doing with that? How have you been doing with that in this season? Ask yourself, is the condition of my heart before God my greatest concern today? Is my greatest concern this morning care over my heart? And again, why does this matter? Why does this matter? Well, again, it's our bottom line because God wants you and I to take the path of wisdom, the path of life. That's his desire for you. And the primary indicator of which path you are on is the position and the posture of your heart. Our hearts literally are a matter of eternal life and death. And so Solomon and our Lord says, guard your heart, guard it. Well, naturally, uh, the next question that I believe comes out of this understanding then is this. Number two, how do we guard then or keep the heart? If it's that important, then how do we do it? How do we guard or keep the heart? And let me just uh, say this before we... Uh, even go any deeper into this point, uh, to even go about trying to guard your heart means that first and foremost, Christ, Jesus Christ, has won your heart. 
In other words, uh, you'll never desire to guard your heart according to God's ways, according to his standard, if you haven't actually surrendered your heart to him in the first place. I think that's obvious, um, but I just wanted to make that clear. But then from, from there, how do we do this? Again, how do we do this? We have this responsibility to keep our hearts because uh, the heart is the essence of being. It's the source and fountain of all of life. And so how do we do this? And from our text, uh, I believe there are two main ways uh, that ultimately are rooted in the same exact thing. First, uh, if you want to guard your heart, I believe Solomon tells us that you need to keep his words in your heart. You need to keep his words in your heart. Proverbs 4, 20 through 22, just before our main text today, says this, My son, be attentive to my words. Incline your ear to my sayings. Let them not escape from your sight. Keep them within your heart, for they are life to those who find them and healing to all their flesh. I know that last week Rob uh, dealt with this a little bit, but we'll go a little bit deeper here this morning. We we know again that the the immediate context here is a father speaking to his son. He's saying, take your father's advice. Listen to my words. Like, I've lived a long life. Um, God said, I'm the wisest man who ever lives. You should listen to me, right? But we also know that there's a much bigger picture here as well. That Solomon is saying, listen to me, because I'm actually communicating to you not my words, but I'm communicating to you the truths of God, the truths of the Lord. He's saying here, hold the truth, my son. Hold God's truth, people of God, in your heart. Meditate on the truth. But more than that, he says, let these words actually define you. Let God's word define you and your life. And if you do that, Solomon says, you will experience life. And so how do we guard our hearts? Well, again, first of all, we hold on to God's word. It means that we know the word. We, we, we think and consider the word. We meditate on the word. We focus on the word. We center our lives around the word. And then second, if you want to guard your heart, you must observe your life. You must observe your life. Starting again in verse 24, it says, Put away from you crooked speech, bad speech, negative speech, things that are not truthful, and put devious talk far from you. Let your eyes look directly forward and your gaze be straight before you. Ponder the path of your feet. Then all your ways will be sure. Do not swerve to the right or to the left. Turn your foot, he says, away from evil. Notice here, there's this progression. There's these three areas that Solomon targets or focuses on here. In verse 24, it's our speech, our words. In verse 25, it's our eyes, what we see, what we choose to look at. And then... In verse 27, he challenges us to watch our steps, which represents our actions and how we live our lives. And so this is the totality. Again, this encompasses everything. Uh, This is about what we say, uh, what we see, and what we do. 
And Solomon says we are to take a look at those things, observe all of those areas, and determine if what we observe is honoring and glorifying the Lord. So we keep his words and we observe our lives. That's how we guard our hearts. But if we want to make it even more simple than that, and I always aim to do that for you, uh, but if we want to make it more simple than that, I, I think the real root of all this is just this. Do you trust Jesus? Do you trust Jesus? I know that might sound really simple again. Um, and by the way, it is <laughs> intentionally simple. Uh, and I hope that we're thankful that it's simple, as simple as that, that there's not this like 264 you know, point checklist on how to guard your heart the right way and keep all these rules, right, to make sure that you're in line. It's just as simple as, do you trust Jesus? Um, But that doesn't mean it's easy to do. Of course not. (laughs) Jesus said this, though, in John 7. If anyone thirsts, let him come to me and drink. Whoever believes in me, as the Scripture has said, out of, listen, out of his heart will flow rivers of living water. So Jesus says, we'll never lose our way. Understand this this morning. You'll never lose your way if you keep going to him and drinking in his acceptance, his forgiveness. Keep drinking in his grace. Keep going back to him for life. And I know that for for most of us here, we at one point or another put our trust in Jesus. Most of our congregation, our gathering here at Freedom Village, we are followers of Christ. We had that moment. There was a moment that we believed Jesus for the first time. But let me ask you, even Christian, what about today? What about today? Do you trust him? Do you trust him today? What about yesterday? Were you believing in Jesus Yesterday, uh, because if you believed in him, if you believed in him, out of your heart would come life. And if you're struggling uh, to trust Jesus throughout your days, uh, then of course, you know, I would just encourage you to ask yourself, then what are you trusting in or what am I trusting in? Ask yourself that question. See, the, the, reason, the reason that we lie, uh, the reason that we are selfish, the reason that we get Jealous. The reason we are bitter and, and angry oftentimes. The reason that we get down and depressed or anxious ultimately is rooted in this reality that we don't trust Jesus. That we trust something or someone else, oftentimes ourselves. We lack faith. We lack faith that Jesus will, can bring life to the full. And that's really the root of our problem. Uh, If you examine or observe your life, it's really the root of our problem that ultimately our hearts go astray, that we go down the path of the foolish, that we turn from the path of wisdom, we turn from the path of life because we believe that other things in our lives, other people in our lives can bring us joy, can bring us true happiness more than or other than God himself. That's one of the reasons we have Proverbs, by the way, to get us back on the right path, right? But as a result of that, as a result of that turning, what we're actually doing is we're giving value to other things more than God. 
Right? We, we love other things more than or above God. And the way that our hearts work, it's subtle, it's interesting, but then it just expresses itself, is that whatever our hearts have decided, whatever our hearts have decided is its ultimate love. Whatever our hearts believe will provide us with life, with fullness of joy. Our hearts will always follow those things and in turn always affect the way that we live. And so what are those other things for you? What are those other things in your life? What is your heart today? What is your heart love? What do you think about during your days? Where does your mind naturally drift? What do you dream about? What do you treasure? What causes you deep anger or deep despair? Uh, What are your typical uh, negative emotions? Maybe you ask yourself this and it reveals your heart. Uh, What's your definition of success? What do you think uh, you have to have to feel successful or to be happy or to be fulfilled in your life? What do you think you need to be secure? Uh, Let me encourage you, again, simple, guard your heart. Guard your heart. Keep God's word close. Observe your life and ultimately have faith. Believe Jesus above everything and anything else. Uh, So we've now looked at what is the heart and how we go about guarding it or or keeping it. And then we're going to close this morning with one final question, that is, how do we change our heart? We've considered what the heart is. We've considered how we guard or keep it. And now we'll address this idea of how we go about changing our heart. How do we experience true and lasting change? How do we fix our hearts so that we or they continually flow with living water. Isn't that what we always all want? We want that living water. Well, uh, we're going to go back to John Flavel again. I think he has a really good answer for this, how we go about changing our hearts. He says this, We are as able to stop the sun in its course or to make the rivers run backward as by our own skill and power to rule and order our hearts. Hopefully you got that. Uh, but the point is, we can't. We can't. We cannot fix or change our hearts by sheer willpower. I can't stand up here and just say, hey, stop it. You know, stop your heart. You know, change it. Be good. Right? Don't be foolish. You can't do that. That will never work. And even if you started to do good things for change, it would only be temporary. Those of you who have tried that, you know. (laughs) Maybe it lasts for a season, but ultimately it fails. And so what's the answer? What's the answer when it comes to changing our hearts? Well, take note at what the Apostle Paul says in Colossians chapter 3, verse 1 through 3. If then you have been raised with Christ, seek the things that are above where Christ is, Seated at the right hand of God. Set your minds on the things that are above, not on the things that are on earth. For you have died, and your life is hidden with Christ in God. So so what do we do? 
what do we do? Well, Paul tells us, set your mind, and that's your heart, by the way. That's, he's, they're interchangeable here. Set your mind or your heart on things that are above. Set them on the kingdom. And what does that actually mean? Well, it means to rejoice, to rest, and to relish in the gospel, in what Jesus has done for you. Simply consider who Jesus is and what he has already done. Understand this morning that if you are in Christ, that you have died to your old self and that your life is now hidden with Christ. Understand that you don't need to actually fix your heart because Jesus has already given you a new heart. You just have to actually start living as though that were true, and it is. So what do you do? Again, you focus on the kingdom. You remind yourself of the gospel every single day. And I believe if you do that, Jesus will become more beautiful, incredible, amazing to you than anything else in your life. I think I've said this uh, to all of you before, maybe just to some of you, uh, but um, on my computer, um, I have this really long to-do list. Um, it's actually in a Word document, and it drives some of the other leaders here at Freedom Village crazy. Um, they're trying to get me to go digital and upload things on the cloud, but I have this old school, I've had it for like 15 years, this old school Word document. It's like eight pages long, single-spaced, and it's just, I'll admit, it's a mess. Uh, it's all color-coded, and, and if I gave it to you, you'd have no idea what to do with it, but I know what to do with it, right? So it's not very helpful for anything else. It's really helpful for me. Uh, but on the, to, on the top, actually, on the top of my to-do list, um, I have this really simple quote right on the top of it so that every day I see it. And it says this, the life of a follower of Christ comes down to one question. Is Jesus better? The life of a follower of Christ comes down to one question. Is Jesus better? And I believe wholeheartedly, uh, truly, every week, uh, that's my only real job here. <laughs> to convince you of the glory, the beauty, and the majesty of Jesus Christ. To show you through his word that he is better He is better than your own fame. He is better than your own personal comfort. He is better than any career you could ever go after. He's infinitely better than any other relationship that you have in your life or that you desire to have. He's infinitely better than any desire or thing that you think that you you need or want. And if you know that, if you truly believe if you truly believe that Jesus is better, if you truly believe the gospel, then, then you'll guard your heart. Listen, uh, this is a lifelong process. You'll never fully arrive, and you'll never finish having to guard your heart. That's not possible in this life. But mature Christians are not those who have arrived, not those who have figured it all out, but they are those who continue to grow in understanding of their own heart 
and the supremacy of Christ in all things. Our creator, our heavenly father, so desires that you and I would choose to take the path of wisdom, the path of life. And that's why we have the book of Proverbs. And the primary indicator, again, of which path we are on is to look at the position, to look at the posture of our hearts. So above all, church family, as we close the book of Proverbs, above all else, guard your heart because everything that you do flows from it. Let me pray for you.